Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Jessie Stevens here, jumping in briefly with something I thought you might like. If you're expecting, or a new mum, or wrangling a toddler, we've compiled all the best resources for new mums in a free newsletter. Sign up for free via the link in the show notes. Doing a face mask, as like cliche as that sounds, but I still believe that there are those type of things that are important for self-care. I'm literally sitting on a maternity pad, the weight of a beach towel, like full of blood. Now I've got people over and we're drinking cups of tea. That's what I had as time to myself. That's what I cherish is just time to think and sit and um, write. In this episode, I'm talking about all things self-care. You know, that thing that we're told that we should do to make us better mums. Like RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, then how in the hell are you going to love someone else? But like so many aspects of motherhood, what's great in theory and memes and adorable viral videos doesn't quite translate into reality. On today's episode, you'll be hearing from Ash Davenport, who talks about how other people's expectations made it really difficult for her to feel like she was even allowed to prioritise herself once she became a mum. Stephanie Thompson and how her writing time is her wind-down time. And actress Teresa Palmer, who finds solace and comfort in listening to true crime podcasts. What does self-care look like to the modern busy mum? Who has time for massages and naps and essential oils and deep breathing when you can't even get yourself a measly seven hours sleep at night? How do you make time to prioritise yourself when it often feels like you're at the very bottom of the barrel? I'm Laura Byrne and this is Me After You, exploring stories of identity and motherhood. For our first mum, Grace Bell, mother to twins, well, self-care is exactly where you would expect to find it on her list of to-do things. It's last. I don't read. I just, yeah, I just, I tend to put everyone to bed and deal with myself afterwards. Do you feel like that's sustainable for you? No. Do you feel happy in that? You know, I guess like you kind of get into this state in life sometimes as a mum where your number one priority is all the things that you have to do and then we kind of put ourselves at the very bottom of that list but is that something that's sustainable? Um, I don't think it's sustainable I think it's common and I think there's benefit in it because I get enjoyment out of that time to unwind and I get that headspace for myself and even if it is just watching Sex and the City or something you know it makes me feel like me again so it's worth a bit of sleep deprivation to have that space. (laughs) 
When I interviewed comedian Veronica Milsom for this podcast, she was heavily pregnant with her second baby. So what does self-care look like when you're chasing around a toddler and trying to prepare for the arrival of your newest family member? Oh, how good is YouTube yoga? But I wouldn't know. Okay. Tell me about it. Um, well, there's this one particular girl, Sarah Beth, uh, who <laughs> is really good. No, I'm really on board with that. I pretty much don't do exercise otherwise, which sucks because that's how I would usually clear my brain and, you know, semi-meditate or whatever. But I just got into doing 20-minute uh, YouTube yoga sessions on the floor of my lounge room, which was really good. And otherwise, I just used to try to cram things into Like, it's amazing how you work out 45 minutes now, like a sleep cycle. You're like, what can I achieve in 45 minutes? <laughs> and um, it's certainly hard, though, isn't it, to make time for yourself? Because once you get all the phone calls out of the way that you needed to, like, call, like, four of your best friends and then your mum and then your dad and your sister. And then you're like, well, that was all of my time today. It can. Yeah. I think for some people, like some people, it makes them uber motivated, and and those people I kind of envy. And for other people, it's like you've you've just done. I've like got 45 minutes. I want to do nothing. Mm. I just want to stop for two seconds and not be talking to someone and not be tending to someone. I just want me time. Mm. But it's so hard to kind of fit that in your actual day as well. Like, I sometimes get through full days where I feel like I haven't done or achieved anything yeah. at all. You know, at the like this is a super practical thing, and at the risk of it sounding like an ad, Kindles are the best because it's such an easy way to multitask while reading. Like I've found particularly like while you're breastfeeding, you can eat plus read a book (laughs) and you just have to tap it with your finger and you can do it in the darkness. And I hadn't realized like the moment that I realized that was uh, a real joyful time. For writer Ash Davenport, the concept of self-care when she had her first baby was completely alien. After becoming a mum, she battled with postnatal depression and struggled to admit that she just wasn't coping, something so many women can relate to. It was through her writing that Ash discovered the catharsis of putting her loud and lonely thoughts into writing for the whole world to read. It started as a blog during my first pregnancy and it was actually called Sad Pregnant Lady. So then it evolved to Sad Mum Lady once I'd had my first child. Yeah, that was the inspiration was really about just wanting to scream from the rooftops that it was really, really hard and I felt totally unprepared and I was expected to be radiating with joy over it and I didn't really feel that way. I felt very scared and very lonely and kind of, yeah, horrified by most of pregnancy, apart from the child, which is the main thing, but it was all the other stuff. (laughs) Did you ever feel worried putting that out into the world about what people's opinions might be like? It kind of goes against the grain of everybody's excitement about what pregnancy is supposed to be. It's meant to be this amazingly exciting time and I think that there's not enough conversation around the fact that actually it is really, really scary when you think your whole life is going to just change. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really so much. I'm sort of a contrarian by nature. So I think that kind of helped in this instance. I I was almost daring people to have a problem with it. So yeah, I think my nature kind of helped me get over that hurdle, but I do understand that hurdle. And I do, I don't worry so much about my kids reading it when they're older because I feel like the love kind of 
radiates through it or I hope it does and they'll be able to see that and they'll feel it so I feel as long as the love's there you can talk about anything you want. Uh, You've been really open about talking about pre and postnatal depression but a question that I, I wanted to ask you did you when you were pregnant did you know that's what was going on did you have any idea at the time or was it only retrospectively yeah I guess it was retrospectively um I wasn't really prepared to admit it at the time um and even now I'm it's such a spectrum and it can be really really extreme in in some cases and I think in mine it was sort of around the milder end of the spectrum with waves of like really intense moments of depression but I would have really good weeks and then bad weeks and then amazing an amazing month and then want to have 10 kids and that was a very lateral journey um yeah I, I think part of not kind of admitting it at the time was just really really not wanting to admit that I was not coping because that was seen as a failure. Like it, I think most people kind of relate to that who have um, experienced postnatal depression particularly and depression in general. Was motherhood what you expected it was going to be after you had your first baby? Um, no. <laughs> well, it felt like a brick to the face for me. Like I, and my bond with my daughter, my first daughter was a, was a slow burn and it happened over the course of a few months and continuing on to this day, you know, you're growing and getting closer all the time. But in the beginning, it, I had like a traumatic birth. My body was, was hurting and I wasn't sleeping And I found visitors really kind of imposing and another part of this like parade of motherhood, like, oh, yes, I'm literally sitting on a maternity pad, the weight of a beach towel, like full of blood, and I haven't slept in days and I've now I've got people over and we're drinking cups of tea and we're taking photos for Instagram it all just felt so um it was like a nightmare and I had I had this beautiful baby who I didn't quite connect with straight away so that that really added to it and breastfeeding was so painful but yeah the moments of loveliness and happiness and joy were kind of few and far between in the beginning you know, they really carry you through. They're so important because all the other stuff is so hard and the more the merrier (laughs) with those. You hit the nail on the head so completely for me and I don't think anybody else that we've spoken to yet, and we've spoken to a lot of people, have actually said how absurd it is that you have this baby and you're in so much pain and then you have to almost entertain. Like I remember when I had my own baby thinking, I just want these people to go home and go away. But that seems ungrateful it's not what you're supposed to do at that point in time well it's also performative from pregnancy and doing the photo shoots and you know the love heart over the belly and then the cups of tea with friends and friends of friends when you're in all of this pain and and then going down the street and looking effortless because you know this is what we're kind of meant to do not not everyone but it you know you do feel like it's it's this really huge, important role that you've been kind of gearing towards your whole life. 
and you need to nail it. Otherwise, like the sense of failure is, is, is too great, I think, a lot of the time. Fortunately, Asha's perspective towards life and her kids really changed once her kids got a little bit older. I feel just a lot more comfortable speaking truthfully about where I'm at with friends and family. I'm, I've learned to ask for help where I need it and where I can get it, I'll take it. That was a real skill that I didn't have before. But yeah, I think those early years, like the early years, especially when you're having kids in rapid succession, are just so challenging and yeah, kind of harrowing. If I ever see a new parent with a little baby and you can tell it's their first baby, like I don't ask about the baby. I ask if they're okay and I ask if they have support. That's like what I learned. I don't, you know, you do that thing at the park where you're like, how old's your little one? What's their name? And you don't exchange any details about yourself, but like we really should be saying to that mother or parent, are you okay? Uh, And that should just be like a standard question. Yeah, I think that that also ties into the fact that, and one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is because mothers, and especially new mothers, they lose their identity for a little while. You You almost forget who you are and everything becomes about this baby and about keeping a baby alive and every conversation you have is about a baby. I I mean, I myself kind of remember that at the very beginning, I kind of forgot how to talk about myself or about myself in any other form that wasn't about the pregnancy, the birth, the experiences I was having right at that point in time. And I think as time passes a little bit, you start to unpack it and rebuild and go, oh, okay, this is who I am now. It's different, but but I am still me. It's just a kind of a slightly different version of me. Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. The most terrifying question to me for a, a long time was, how are you? So if somebody did ask me how I was, it was like, I would go into like a panic space in my head. Like, how am I? How am I? Why don't I have anything to say? It was a real, really strange moment. How do you make time for yourself amongst everything? What is self-care to you now? Broadway dance class on Saturday mornings. That's been my, I I try and get time to myself during the week. Like my partner will take over the kids at 4 p.m. And then like four till six is like, don't come near me. Don't come in the bedroom. But on Saturday mornings, I do this dance class. And it was such like pivotal moment when I found the class. It's so camp and cheesy. And you do like dance routines from Greece and like, go out for smoothies afterwards and you talk about like what's a better movie Grease 1 or Grease (laughs) 2 it's like nothing to do with um kids but that's like that's my church I have to do it if I don't do it the weekend's ruined Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au.
Sometimes self-care isn't about what you're doing for yourself. It's more so about what you don't do. For Brittany Noonan, self-care is having the confidence to say no. Self-care to me, I think, is just making sure that I put myself first so that then I can look after my family too. So whether that is my, through my meditation, I love to meditate. I make sure I do that every day um, in the morning. And then I also meditate at nighttime as I fall asleep. Um, exercise is huge to me. It's probably the biggest thing um, for my own self-care because it looks after my physical and my mental health. And then little things like, you know, making time to go and get a massage or doing a face mask as like cliche as that sounds, but I still believe that there are those type of things that are important for self-care. And also just things like saying no to overcommitting myself to things because I'm really bad at doing that. Um, when I say yes to too many things and put too much on my plate, I feel like I become overwhelmed and I'm not looking after myself as best as I can. How do you make time for yourself when you're a solo parent or when your partner just isn't physically around to share the load? True and Terence has a partner who's a FIFO worker, which means that he's away for two weeks at a time and then back all hands on deck. So how does she make time to prioritise herself when her partner's away every fortnight? Well, I'm lucky that they both sleep fairly well, although last night my daughter was up uh, about four times and I had four hours sleep. So lots of coffee for me today. <laughs> but look, I I, get, I try and get a read in. Um, I try and watch my shows. I just finished watching Dead to Me, which I thought was hilarious. It's little things, anything small that I can find that I can just sit and relax after the enormous amount of cleaning is done, then I'm happy. <laughs> Steph Thompson is an author and she finds time for herself in her writing, something that motherhood helped her discover a passion for. It was the, just the little things, like they would go to family daycare one day a week and I know that's funny, people say oh, that's your day off, but it was a day just to have a shower uninterrupted, go to the toilet by myself, <laughs> eat my lunch while it's hot or have a cup of tea while it's hot, put washing out without you know, 10 incidents between the laundry and the clothesline. That's what I had as time to myself. That's what I cherish is just time to think and sit and um, write now. It's about writing things. So, yeah, that's how I look after myself. Did you have a passion for writing before you became a mother? No. <laughs> so this is something that's inspired. I mean, it inspired a creative side of you. Absolutely not at all. I probably um, I used to write reports and things as part of my career, but I never really was actually that good at it. But you are. You, you are good at it. Of course you are. But do you think that maybe your experiences with motherhood, as much as it's it's propelled you to share your story, it's also unlocked something in you, some sure. a passion that you have that maybe you didn't know even existed beforehand? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think motherhood changes you. You can't predict how or when. I think it just does. It definitely changes you. Gone are the days of doing whatever you want, whenever you want, on a whim. You are a mum, and time for yourself, well, it's a precious scarcity for most. Actress and mum Teresa Palmer says it's the simple things, like finding time to have a bath and sneak in a true crime podcast. My self-care is very limited right now, but I love, love, love my very favourite thing to do 
is listen to Mamma Mia podcast, true crime conversations. Oh my goodness. I've listened to every single one. I keep refreshing to see if there are any new ones yet. I'm like, come on guys, I need my fix. Elise, the um, producer is sitting here so stoked. She's texting, texting someone right now to let them know. So you've just made her day. Every single one. So what I do is I do school drop off and then on the way back, Poet falls asleep in the car and then I can listen to it. So I'll listen to it the whole way, the 40 minutes back up to my house. Every day, that's what I do. Um, and I take a bath as well. Uninterrupted bath time is my thing. So I uh, lock the door, put the podcast on, Soak in the bath. It's brilliant. I found while talking to mums about self-care that there is this common theme. I mean, it's something that we all know we should do. We just don't. More often than not, our own needs, our own sanity and our own self-care can end up at the very bottom of the priority list, especially when you are the one that's responsible for tending to everybody else's happiness. Losing yourself in motherhood, I mean, it's easy to do, but whether you're a new mum, a single mum, a working mum or anything in between, that doesn't mean that you should forget about your own needs and your own wants. Carving out time for yourself to tap into the things that make you feel like you can be some of the most precious and revitalizing moments. Fitting self-care into the trenches of mum life, I mean, it's difficult, but it's certainly not impossible. Once you make time for self-care and you feel better for it, it not only makes for a happier you, but it also has a positive ripple effect on your family too. On the next episode of Me After You, the world is your oyster, and we're gonna be talking about travel. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Me After You. This is a Mamma Mia podcast hosted by me, Laura Byrne. Our executive producer is Elise Cooper with additional production and editing support by Lemma Zakaria. We'd love to say a very big thank you to every single woman who has shared their stories with us. And for a full list of all of the credits, please head to the description on this episode. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.